Hey guys, welcome to Rihanna's Lens, where I interact with you about the components in the STEM field and introduce you to fascinating people who passionately inhabit the scientific and technical frontiers of our society. My name is Rihanna Malhotra and I'm absolutely elated to share this podcast with all of you. On this episode, I'm joined by a guest who's a vertebrate paleontologist. Her area of interest is extinct vertebrate animals, specifically dinosaurs. Currently, she's a fossil preparator and a science communicator, where she likes to teach people all over the world about dinosaurs and how cool they are. She's also an instructor for the Sternberg Science Camps, where she teaches elementary kids about dinosaurs and sea creatures. I'm so glad to welcome and introduce Skywalker. Thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to begin our discussion. Hi, thank you for having me. This is the first time I'm meeting someone that's doing paleontology. So how did you get into this uh, field? Well, a lot of people start out when they're really young, like I did. And children have this natural affinity for dinosaurs and just paleontology in general. And I'm not really sure what sparks it. Uh, Trying to figure that out. Um, Not sure if it's just this natural curiosity that children have, uh, but it always gravitates towards dinosaurs or at least something similar. And so a lot of people, I think probably about 90% of people start out as children and collecting dinosaur toys and watching dinosaur documentaries and then movies like Jurassic Park, Land Before Time and things like that. But then as you get older, a lot of people grow out of it. But then there are people like me who never grow out of it. And then you get into the more technical side of paleontology. And so then that's where you have to decide, well, where do I want to go to school or what kind of degree do I want to get? So for me, uh, I decided to get my bachelor's degree in geology. Um, So of course that's the study of the earth and its processes. And so that gave me a really solid background in where the fossils come from and how they're formed. And then you can also take a lot of biology classes to kind of supplement that because paleontology is a combination of a bunch of different sciences, but mainly I would say geology and biology uh, because geology, you use the, the science of the earth to figure out where the fossils came from, how how they came to be here, why do they look like this, and things like that. And then there's biology, which is the study of life. And there you look at what the animal was, how it behaved, what it ate, and things like that. So paleontology is just kind of like this mashup of a bunch of super cool sciences. And you can pick and choose uh, what you want to focus on. So like me, I went with geology, and then I took a bunch of biology classes to kind of, you know, you know, patch in the holes. And so yeah, that's how I started out uh, with paleontology. And, uh, and you can get all kinds of de- degrees for it. 
Um, I just got my bachelor's last year. You can also get a master's, you can get a PhD. So it really depends on the person. Every, everybody's journey is very different. Yeah, that's so cool. You mentioned movies like Jurassic Park and Land Before Time. So did you have any particular interests like that when you were a kid? Um, like any toys ever since you were a kid that you, like you saw one dinosaur and you were like, yeah, that's what I want to study. Did you have anything like that? I did. Um, I actually have it with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, one of my dinosaurs that I had when I was a very small child. I don't remember ever getting it. I just remember always having it. And this is a Myasaura. It means good mother lizard. And this was uh, one of the first dinosaurs to tell us that uh, that dinosaurs were, you know, caring mothers. They actually took care of their young. And I always had this one. It was always my favorite. And I would just look at these dinosaur toys and I just had this, this feeling that that was where I belonged. That was what I really wanted to do. And my grandmother used to record documentaries for me on TV. And I had all of the Land Before Time movies. I watched Jurassic Park, even though it probably was a little scary for a child that age, but I didn't care. There were dinosaurs on the screen. So it's just, it's, it's a passion that I've always had. And I would say that I've probably had it since birth. And I just always felt this pull towards dinosaurs and paleontology in general. So I feel like it's really what I've always been meant to do. It's so awesome that you still have that toy that really drove you to become a paleontologist and also that you're following your dreams ever since you were a kid. That's just really admiring to hear. <laughs> Thank you. It, it hasn't been a very linear quest, really. Uh, I, I've been all over the place. There actually was a time where I got out of paleontology. So... Um, it wasn't a very straightforward journey. Uh, it had a lot of ups and downs and detours and things like that. But I did make my way back to paleontology. And that's the that's the most important part. So which field did you drift towards? Was it in the STEM fields or, or something different altogether? They were more or less still in the STEM fields. The a lot of people tried to discourage me from paleontology, not to be mean or anything. It's not like I was bullied out of it or anything, but it got to a point where I was older and I was choosing, you know, which university to go to and what degree to get specifically. I was still figuring everything out. And there were people who told me, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to get a job like that? You know, there's, there's no more dinosaurs to dig up and it doesn't make a lot of money. How are you going to find a job? And there were just all these complicated questions. And at the time it, it sounded like fair questions because those are things that you have to consider, but I, I let them discourage me. And then I said, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I should find some other options. I can still be passionate about paleontology without actually being in it. So I, I went all over the place 
actually, I got a scholarship to uh, a community college for theater. So acting and stage performance and things like that. And it was fun. It really was. I, I enjoyed it very much and just definitely another passion in life. So for a while, I was going to be an actor. And so that I know that's drastically different from yeah. being a paleontologist, but it was fun. And it was a very important part of my life. And then, well, I decided, well, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life either. I mean, for fun, sure, but maybe not as a career. And so then I considered being a nurse for a while and I considered being a psychologist, a therapist. So I kind of bounced back and forth between a couple of different things. And eventually I just got so frustrated not knowing what I wanted to do. And so I was sitting there one night and I was really thinking about it. And I was reminded that, you know, I've always loved dinosaurs for the longest time. I wanted to be a paleontologist. So why not do that? I always find myself going back to it. So why not just just go for it. Who cares if it doesn't make a lot of money? It makes me happy. It's what I want to do. So why not just go for it? So I did some more research and I found out that Auburn University here in Alabama had an amazing geology apartment, department. So I applied immediately and I got in and yeah, then I started my undergraduate degree. And on my first day of my undergraduate career, I saw a cast of a T-Rex skull named Stan and I immediately took it as a good sign. And I saw Stan almost every day of my undergrad. And so it's like that T-Rex helped me get through my undergraduate career. So he's like a, like a symbol of hope for me. And it worked out. It, it worked out really well, even though I took a few detours along the way. <laughs> Yeah, even though the detours were part of huge spectrums, but still you, your uh, desire to become a paleontologist brought you back to it. And of course, Stan helped you through your undergrad. So let's all hope we find a Stan in our lives to help us get through our lives. Yes, uh, Stan is a very special dinosaur uh, on, a, on days where I had an exam or quiz or just anything complicated going on that day, I would walk through the halls of the geology department and Stan was always right there and just kind of, you know, put my hand on his skull. And there, there was this legend about Stan at the university where if you showed up after midnight and you go up to Stan, he would uh, speak to you somehow. That never happened to me, but still, <laughs> Stan is still very special. So I was very glad to have him as inspiration every day. Yeah, that's so cool. What does a day in your life as a paleontologist usually look like? Well, that is part of what I like about being a paleontologist so much is that there really is no typical day. Um, of course, you do have some uh, repetitive days and routines and things like that, but there's always something different going on. So I have kind of a, a wide range of things that I do all the time. And uh, so as a fossil preparator, a lot of my time is spent in a lab. 
I call it the bone room because we have a bunch of different specimens in there at the same time. They're all cataloged and on shelves. And so it's just really nice to sit in there and have all those bones there and you know what they are. And so it's kind of like you're sitting with those prehistoric creatures and it's a really cool feeling. So a lot of my time is sitting at this station that I have set up in the middle of the room. It's a table and I have my big block of uh, fossils just in in their matrix still and it's cut open we have to saw them open most of the time because they're very very tough and a lot of the time i just sit there for hours and hours just working to get the fossils out of the matrix Uh, and then there are other days where the collection needs cleaning or organizing so it's me on this ladder on wheels, just kind of going from drawer to drawer, making sure everything's in order, making sure everything's clean, um, their their catalog numbers match, um, and all the specimens that are there are supposed to be there. Um, and then there are days where we give tours to visitors. So some days um, we have maybe like a small class of school children come in and we have a bunch of fossils already laid out for people to be able to see and touch. And, and that, that's one of the, my favorite parts is letting kids handle real fossils and watching their faces light up. So I love that part. And then during the summer, our museum also has summer camps for kids. So we have a junior curator camp and it's a couple weeks long, but each week is a different subject of the museum. So uh, one, uh, one week is about amphibians and another week is about insects. And then uh, one week is about fossils. So of course that's, that's my department. And so getting to work with kids and fossils and just, just the whole job in general and getting to do so many different things is it's awesome. So there, there is no, no typical day. So I think that's one of the best parts. Right. And also, um, is there any favorite discovery of yours? To this day, my favorite discovery that I've made, just, just me, um, there was a day it was one of my first uh, paleontological digs and it was here in Alabama and it was a very, very tough day. And we had found a bunch of invertebrate fossils. So a lot of clams and um, little <clears throat> and uh, little blastoids and things like that. And I like, I like invertebrates, but they're just, you know, they're not my thing. You know, I, I like the big boys. I like the dinosaurs. And so unfortunately no dinosaurs in that area that day, but that area where we were hunting uh, used to be an, a shallow sea during the Cretaceous period. And so about 70 million years ago. And so that's why we found a bunch of marine stuff, even though like we're clearly here on land. And so we had been out there since about, I think seven o'clock in the morning and it was hot and it was humid. There were mosquitoes everywhere. We were all miserable. We were ready to go home. And it was towards the, the end of the day. And we were heading back towards the cars and we were following along the river. And it had recently rained. So a lot of the sediment had washed in. And I noticed something kind of sticking out of the side of the riverbed. And I went over there and I said, oh, well, I might as well check it out. And it was just kind of this 
you know, this chunk of something sticking out. And I went over there, I pulled it out and I kind of brushed it off and I washed it off in the river a little bit. And I, I knew that it was bone, but I didn't know exactly what it could be. I was still very new to learning what everything was. And so I took it over to one of my mentors and I said, uh, well, I found this. Uh, do you think this could be anything? And he looked at it and he said, I think this is a Mosasaur. And so immediately I, I, I felt my eyes light up and I said, really? Like, do you really think that's it? And so I asked kind of a stupid question <laughs> and I said, do you think there's any way that I could keep this? And so unfortunately, no, uh, it had to go to the museum which is fine because, you know, I'm, I'm there at the museum all the time so I can see it. So I had found the vertebra or a piece of vertebra to a mosasaur, which was one of those giant ancient marine reptiles. It was kind of like the T-Rex the of the ocean. And so I found one of those vicious predators. And so I just found one little piece of it. And I was the first living thing to touch that animal in millions of years. And it was just a magical, pivotal moment for me. And it's just, I, I, I still tell that story to people and it's probably my favorite one. That is so mind blowing. And one of the most amazing things about your field is that every day is not the same. Like you can find a new discovery like every single day and everything would be a shock for you because you can possibly be the first person to touch a dinosaur after like a mi millions of years, like you mentioned. So that's so cool. Yes, it is. And one of the cool things about working in paleontology collections, a lot of preparators and collections managers, curators, they're usually the ones that make the biggest discoveries about things. Because right now, actually at my museum, we have some dinosaur material that hasn't been described yet. So it, there's always a possibility that it could be something new, something that we've never seen before. So there's just endless opportunities and chances that we could discover something new. And it's just that, that, that air of mystery, I think that really pulls us in. And, and that's what science is all about is the potential for new discovery. And it's awesome to be a part of that. Right. And also now throughout the years, technology is advancing. So has there been any changes in the way you find out or discover fossils? Not me personally. Um, thanks to COVID-19, I was not able to go out in the field at all this year or last year. So I've definitely been missing that. Um, and my time in the lab has been limited as well. But yeah, there have been so many technological advancements uh, as far as that goes. 3D printing is huge right now. I have some very close friends who are expert 3D printers and they're using it for science communication. They're using it to make models for their research papers and a lot of collections 
in museums are going digital now. So things are being uploaded virtually. So everybody in the world can have access to those fossils. And so things are being digitized so that researchers all over the world don't have to fly in from a different country just to see that fossil. They can see it on their computer as if they were looking at it right in front of them. And I think that's amazing. That's a huge step in our advancement and making it available for everybody because science isn't just for scientists. Everybody should have access to these things. Everybody should have the chance to learn about these things. So it's, it's awesome. And I'm really impressed with how far things have come. Right, even though everything's digitalized, did you ever get a chance to go to some place new where you could discover fossils throughout your experience? Not too much recently. Um, I have been to some new museums recently that I had never been to before. And I've gotten to see some dinosaurs that I have never seen in person before. Uh, for example, the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences, one of the best museums I've ever been to. And they have an amazing dinosaur display. And that was my first time seeing an Acrocanthosaurus in person. And they have uh, one of the, the real skulls just out on display in a glass case, of course. And it's just amazing to be able to see that and just be... I don't know, just be in its presence, I guess you could say, almost like it's royalty. But yeah, um, so recently I haven't really uh, been able to have any new experiences with fossils, but I think a lot of that is due to COVID restrictions. So hopefully um, as things are starting to get back to normal, that will change soon. Right, fingers crossed. Let's just hope everything comes back to normal and then you can continue your discoveries and hopefully find out like how you discovered something so different before you can do the same later as well. Yes, that would be very exciting. And are you working on something currently, any big projects that you can talk about? Yeah, so I probably would be finished with it by now if it wasn't for COVID, but, um, and it's, it's nothing too special, but it is part of, uh, part of the process. Um, I've been working on a turtle, uh, getting some fossil turtle material uh, out of a plaster jacket that was found in New Mexico in 1985, I believe. So that turtle had not seen the light of day until late last year, <laughs> since 1985. So it was in there for a while. And this is one of my more challenging cases because the pieces of the turtle are so fragile and crumbly. And so I have to be very careful with trying to get those pieces of bone out because some of the pieces are just so tiny, you can barely see them. And to give you an idea of how fragile it is, I accidentally broke a piece off by breathing on it too hard. So it's very fragile and kind of frustrating sometimes, but that's the thing about being a fossil preparator. You have to have a lot of patience. So I've been working on that for a while and just kind of 
I'm looking at it from like the bottom of the turtle shell facing up. And so I'm going around the turtle shell and kind of going up underneath it and making a pedestal for it to sit on. And even though it is pretty fragile, we're actually not sure if we're going to take it fully out of the rock just yet. But uh, we do at least want to make it more visible and maybe put it on display um, at least because, you know, we have a that section of fossils for kids to come in and look at and people to see out on the table. So we might uh, have that as part of that and just kind of take a look at what the, the fossil prep process is like. So uh, we're still, we're still working on that. Um, as for other projects, um, well, right now uh, I consider it a project. Uh, I'm an instructor for the Sternberg science camps with the Sternberg Museum of Natural History. And this is my first time actually being able to teach children almost like a course. And I've given a lot of talks to kids all over the world before, but so this is very new territory for me. So I get to talk to kids about dinosaurs all week and I get to answer their questions and do activities with them. And it's been a really fun experience. It's been a lot of work, but it's really paid off. And I can tell how much these young scientists enjoy it. And it's just, it, it's been awesome. And it's a new part of paleontology that I discovered that I love. And yeah, so that's uh, really all the projects that I'm working on at the moment. Um, I might have a couple of other things lined up in the future, but those, those, those are a secret at the moment. <laughs> but I'm hoping to find out in the future. Yeah, you uh, will. <laughs> what I also find interesting about your field is that it connects us with the past and all the prehistoric animals. So speaking of which, if you had to bring back one prehistoric animal right now, which one would it be? Oh, no. I'm <laughs> <laughs> putting um, you on a spot here. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, oh, my goodness. That's such a difficult question. <sighs> Bring back one. Um, well, as a quick answer, I'm going to say maybe some type of hadrosaur dinosaur because I wouldn't want to bring anything super dangerous back like the T-Rex because obviously that would upset a few people um, and we'd have a, a real life Jurassic Park situation on our hands. Uh, so specifically, you know what I will, I will say maybe, maybe the Myasaura because that is my favorite and it's a hadrosaur. So they're not dangerous. Um, they are pretty big animals, but uh, they're really just kind of like really big cows. Um, and it would just be cool to be able to see like a herd of those animals. Like instead of where I live, there are a bunch of cow pastures. So um, it would be cool to just be driving by and see a herd of Myasaura and a bunch of their babies running around and grazing and drinking from a pond or something. So I think that would be super cool. It really <laughs> excites me to think about that. And one thing that is really cool to me about paleontology is you get to learn so much about these creatures and you learn 
so much. And then if you have a really active imagination like me, it's really easy to picture them here still with us. And so even the, even the, the environments are very different now, you can just kind of look, look out into the woods and you can just picture a brachiosaurus just kind of grazing from the tops of the trees or like we just mentioned the hadrosaurs out there in the pastures drinking from a pond or you know a, a micro raptor you know gliding from you know the tops of the trees so it's just so easy to picture them as they were in life and picture them right here with us and it's almost like it's almost like their ghosts are still with us and thanks to paleontology, we are able to imagine things like that. And we're able to know so much about them, even though they're not here anymore. And it's incredible. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And how do you think prehistoric animals are so influential to us today? I think they're an inspiration and they're also a warning. So they're kind of uh, uh, two sides of the same coin, really. So on one hand, they're these mysterious creatures that they know that we know they were here, but they're not anymore. Um, so they're these traces of these almost monster-like beings, and they're almost mythical, really. And to some people, they are. And you can even look at many different religions and history textbooks and you have these mentions of traces of like the bones of monsters and these things like leviathan and things like and dragons and really it all goes back to prehistoric creatures and how they were here and they're not anymore and so it makes us wonder well how can something so massive and something that dominated the world for millions of years, how does that just go away? And so with paleontology, it's our job to figure out how it happened, why it happened. And, and we think about how history has a tendency to repeat itself. And there have been many mass extinctions over the course of Earth's time. So it can happen it has happened and it will happen again there are extinctions that are still happening right now and so like i said it's kind of like a warning and so we can look at the dinosaurs and study their extinction and other extinctions and we can kind of learn the warning signs and learn what to do when we see those warning signs so and, you know, in some cases, it's it's inevitable. There's really nothing that we can do about that. But at least we have that knowledge. And we learn so much from the dinosaurs not being here. And so you really have to ask, you know, what does that say about our success? Because the dinosaurs were roaming the earth. They were ruling the earth for millions of years. And humans have only been around for about 200,000. So that's a really small amount of time compared to what the dinosaurs had. So who knows how long humans will have and what will be our fate compared to the dinosaurs. Yeah. When you talk about this, I'm immediately interested. Like I definitely want to know more about what exactly happened to dinosaurs. How did the entire population wipe out after like a few million years? 
and how much time do we have so many questions that were going in my mind when you're talking about this it's really yeah, interesting <laughs> it is and it's it's like i said it's inspiring and yet it's also scary and sad to think about because you look at these dinosaurs and they're so awesome and sometimes it makes me sad that they're not here anymore just to think about what happened to them and but in truth if if they were still here we probably would not be cuz when the dinosaurs were wiped out it allowed mammals like us to rise up so at least we are here and we're able to remember them so to speak and we're here to learn about them and keep their memories alive right i completely agree and lastly is there any advice you would like to give anyone wanting to join this field absolutely i have so much advice um one of the first things i always tell people is if you want to get into paleontology definitely find a local museum that has some kind of paleontology collection they don't have to have a lot of dinosaurs or anything it would be cool if they had dinosaurs but uh like the museum that i first started volunteering at they had a little bit of uh dinosaur material but still i wanted to start somewhere so definitely volunteer with a local museum see if you can help out maybe with the collections management see if you can maybe get some fossil prep experience it's really fun to learn definitely a very important skill set and another thing i would suggest is find some kind of mentor and said mentor does not even have to be a paleontologist it just has to be a figure that you look up to and somebody that can recognize your potential somebody that will encourage your passion for what you want to do and you never know that mentor could probably open up so many doors for you and introduce you to so many different things I've had many mentors over my career and they've opened many doors for me. They've inspired me and they've done so much for me and it's I don't even know if I would be in the position that I'm in today without them. So it's very important. And then another thing just kind of learning from my mistakes. I would tell people please please do not let anybody discourage you from what you want to do don't don't choose something for the money choose it because you love it choose it because you want to do it because if you don't there might be a day where you wake up and you realize that you just don't want to get out of bed and go do what you're doing because of the money in the end you will be a lot happier and in the long run a lot more successful if you wake up wanting to get to work you want to start the day because you're doing what you love you're doing something awesome something that really represents you so it's really important to choose your happiness over the things that other people say yes of course that's some really great advice i would definitely keep that in mind and i'm sure even the audience listening to this should keep this in their mind that you should always follow your dreams and not focus on the money or uh, some something that would help you in the long run basically you shouldn't get bored of what you're doing exactly. well that's it for today thank you so much for coming on and uh, thank you for taking out your time and discussing this topic with me 
and I'm sure many of uh, many listeners would also be interested in this field now. So uh, thank you, and to let all of you know, this podcast is now available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Make sure you subscribe to all listening platforms and stay tuned for more.